Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Testifying of his gifts, and by it he yet being dead, he being dead yet speaketh. Now, a lot of people, uh, when they when it comes to offering time, uh, that's when they shut down. That's when they close down. That's when they, you know, well, pastor, you know, that's all well and good to teach that kind of stuff, but you know, I'm on a fixed income, or I have no income, or I'm poor, or I'm this or that. Listen, the first thing that Jesus proclaimed when he came out of that wilderness, anointed by the Holy Ghost is that he was sent by God to preach the gospel to the poor. The word gospel is the word good news. And the only good news there is to poor people is this. You don't have to be poor anymore. So if you will learn by faith how to give and how to offer, I guarantee you your finances will increase. Now understand some some simple principles. Number one, God does not bless laziness. I ought to get a better amen than that. God does not bless laziness. God does not bless stealing. God does not bless manipulation. God does not bless any of that kind of stuff. But an individual, listen, an individual that will go out and do their best to to, to gain an income and then learn to tithe and offer off of that income by faith, I guarantee you God will bless you and increase you. Now, a lot of people struggle. Because everything in the Word of God that God desires for us to receive, you've got to find out what He wants us to have. Then you have to find out how He wants us to get it. Did did you hear what I just said? What He wants us to have and how He wants us to get it. Because see what we do many times is we we look at our circumstance, we look at our situation, we look at what we can do, and instead of what we can do, uh, instead of what, 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 uh, doing what God says to do, we just do what we can do. Amen? But listen, if you'll obey the Word of God. Now, this Scripture, all the way back to Genesis, God is pulling back up an incident that took place between Cain and Abel, two brothers. Two brothers brought an offering to God. Uh, two brothers uh, that were born to Adam and his wife. One of them tilled the ground. The other raised livestock. Now, the only difference between the two offerings was this. One was given by faith and the other was not. Now, because of that, one of those offerings was acceptable and the other was not acceptable. You ought to always ask yourself, listen, don't ever put anything into the offering at Island Church that you do not think will be accepted by God. You say, God will accept anything I give. No, He won't. You say, now what do you mean he won't accept it? Well, that doesn't mean we won't put it in the bank. That doesn't mean we won't pay bills. That means your faith won't work. That means the supernatural part of what you should be doing is not going to operate, is not going to work. Obviously, Abel gave by faith. Now think about this for a minute. How did he even know to give? How did he even have any faith? The principles of faith are still the same. The Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Therefore, there must have been communication between Abel and God. And that communication between Abel and God brought Abel into a relationship with God in which he understood that if I'm going to give anything to God, I've got to give God my very best. And I'm going to do it by faith, by what He has communicated to me, what has gotten into my heart, so that God will bless me. Now, Cain also gave an offering. And obviously somehow 
God blessed Abel and not Cain, and it was visible. You say, how was it visible? Because Cain understood through whatever happened to Abel and however God blessed Abel, God didn't bless me. Why didn't God bless me? The number one area where people get absolutely angry is over money. When it comes to church, when it comes to spiritual things, and when it comes to obeying God. I remember one particular crusade we were preaching way down in the jungles of Honduras, right on the border of Nicaragua and Honduras. And I knew in my own spirit, and also knew by observation, that there were several people there that were demon-possessed, not just demon-oppressed, but demon-possessed. This is right in the midst of a jungle, you know. People had, some people had traveled for up to, uh, up to six days just to be in that meeting. They, they paddled little canoes, and they walked through the jungle, and they, they carried their bedrolls, and they slept in a big compound out there. We bought, uh, we bought a cow every day. We killed a cow every day and cooked it and fed the entire crowd. Now, I, I preached on redemption. I preached on the blood of Jesus. I preached on several different subjects, and there was no demonic manifestation. But the first time I mentioned money, those devils started screaming. You say, well, why do you think that is? Because you must understand that there is power in money. There's power in wealth. There's power in finances that the enemy wants to control in your life. Listen, if the enemy controls your money, he controls you. But I made a decision when I didn't have no money. I said, devil, you're not going to control my money. I remember sitting at a meeting. Uh, we, had, we, had, we, had, we had had a, a, a special speaker up at Lakewood, and we had these little old flimsy uh, uh, metal chairs. They were so uncomfortable. And Brother Osteen had to sit on one of those chairs for four hours while the preacher preached. So he got up the next Sunday and said, we're going to buy new chairs for the, for, the, for the church. And so we were buying these beautiful uh, uh, theater chairs, uh, you know, that, that, that the seat folds up like they do in a theater. And so at that time, this would have been back in 1984, they were $75 a piece. So he asked, how many people want to buy a chair? Do you want to buy one, two, five? So people were raising their hand. Well, I looked and my hand was up. Well, I thought, where am I going to get $150? I was a Bible school student. I wasn't working any job. But, you know, I made a decision. I'm not going to let what I don't have dictate to me what I'm not going to do. So I put my hand up and I made a pledge. I'm going to give $150. i am going to buy two chairs. Amen. I'm going to believe God, I'm going to buy two chairs. And I want you to know, within about three weeks, every dime that I needed came into my hand. But you know, the good news was, it was more than $150. So not only did, that, did I have that $150, I had money for me, I had money to tithe, I had money to offer. Now that came out of what? That came out of a relationship with God where I was hearing His Word and acting by faith. Now the same thing is true. That's why God requires of us tithing, Offering, you say why? Because he wants to be in control of what he blesses us with. Remember the story of the prodigal son. The Bible says he took what his father gave him, went into a far country, and wasted it on riotous living. Now you must understand, he lost it all. Everything the father gave him. The reason he lost it all is because he left the father's house, and that is the place where the father would have controlled his income. You think that would have hurt him? For the father to control his income? Absolutely not. He would have increased it. He would have blessed him. He would have done everything he could to make sure that when he became who he was, he even had more. Amen. So when you give, always pray and say, Lord, it's what I'm giving. Is it acceptable? Is my offering acceptable to you? Am I really giving by faith? And then in the crisis of life, when the crisis comes, that's not a time to quit giving. 
That's not a time to quit tithing. We don't want to get on teaching, uh, teaching on giving tonight, but it's just been in my spirit. Uh, and you're, when you're in the crisis of life and you pull back your offering, God pulls his hand back. I know every time Lee and I have been in a crisis, we've increased, increased our giving. When the, when the building was destroyed, we doubled our giving to missions. All of these principles, they work supernaturally. And if you'll work them, I guarantee you, God will bless you. Amen. Let's hold our offerings up to the Lord tonight. Make our confession of faith. Amen. Praise God. Gentlemen, you can receive the offering. Praise the Lord. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6 where we left off last week. We're studying the stand of faith or standing in faith. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's begin reading there. Verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Everybody say, strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might. Anybody ever wonder how to do that? Anybody ever wonder how in the world can I be strong in the Lord in the power of His might? Well, one of the ways is to go back to chapter 3 and pray that prayer. You ever pray that prayer in Ephesians chapter 3? For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of who the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant, grant me to be strengthened by His power in my inner man. You know, if you'll ask for it, God will give it to you. I tell you, if you've, ever, if you've ever run 10 seconds in the supernatural power of God in your life, I guarantee you, you'll pray and you'll believe God for it every day. Because there's only so much you can do naturally. But supernaturally, all things are possible. So it says here, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor. Everybody say the whole armor. But now notice the phrase, put on. I mean, it doesn't just grow on you. It means you're going to have to put it on. If you don't put it on, it's not on there. Amen. I mean, you can stand in front of your closet all day long with your arms out, hoping for a shirt to jump on your back, but it ain't going to do it till you actually reach up there in the clothes hanger and put it on. That means there's going to have to be some action or activity in putting on something. Everybody say action, activity. So here we go. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now that word wiles, you could say wiles are traps. Now if you'll go study or do a word study on that word, this, not, this talks about a trap, not a trap that produces death, but a trap that holds. Back in those days, you know, they didn't have any refrigeration. They didn't have any way to preserve food. So when a trapper went out and trapped animals, he really didn't want to kill that animal for two reasons. One, other animals would come, ants would come, worms would come, just eat the animal up. What they wanted was a trap or a snare that would grab the animal and keep it there till they could get back and destroy it. Now that's exactly what the wiles of the devil, the traps of the devil are designed to do. They're designed to get you into a place in which the enemy can hold you till he destroys you. Amen. Don't fall for any financial traps. Don't fall for any traps in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, at your job. You know, the enemy's always trying to set traps for you in your mind. Amen. Make a decision, I'm not going to fall for the devil's traps. If you will, he will not be able to hold you back. Now notice what it says in the next verse, verse 3. Excuse me, verse 12. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Now, this literally gives us an inventory of what exactly is in the spirit realm around this earth, in what we would call the heavenlies. Everybody say the heavenlies. In the heavenlies, we know there is spiritual wickedness. There are demon forces. Uh, it, it, it literally says it like this. There are powers, principalities, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness. Now, that, that, that literally is around this planet in the heavenly realm. Now, where men and women desire to cooperate with that force, with that power, it shows up in manifestation. Amen? I mean, you can look at certain cities, and you just know. You just know. You know, you go to San Francisco, California. I've been in the airport there several times. Uh, you go into that city, and you can just literally feel an oppression. It's an oppression of immorality. I've been in a, a Las Vegas, Nevada. You can feel that oppression of gambling and all of that that goes on. Other cities, you feel that oppression. I've been in some of the cities in Europe. My goodness. That, I mean, there was you, you could literally get off of an airplane and begin to walk and feel demonic oppression. You say, well, what, what can we do? What can we do? Understand that all of that demonic, uh, uh, all of those demonic entities in the spirit realm, they're defeated. They're defeated. You say, then, how can they operate? People yield to them out of ignorance. Some people willingly, but people yield to them. And because people yield to them, they have a right to exist. They have a right to manifest. I, I know certain places, you know, you look at what's going on. You see it in the news the past few days with these, uh, 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 these Islamic people that are radical and killing people and chopping them. That's demonic, church. I said, that's demonic. People give themselves to that. They yield themselves to that. And what happens? It manifests. But I got good news. Everybody say, good news. There's a greater power. And that greater power is not in the heavenlies. It's in you. I says, it's in you. The greater one's in you. Everybody say, the greater one's in me. Say, the greater one's in me. Say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. See, the greater one's in you. So then it says this, it says, Wherefore, or because of that, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Now there's a key right there. Everybody say a key. Having done all. Have you done all? Now first of all, it begins with defining your need. I've seen so many people over the years. What do you want God to do for you? I just want Him to bless me. Well, what does that mean? What exactly does that Does that mean you want goosebumps? Does that mean you want to feel something? What do you mean? Is there something specifically that you want God to do? Well, yeah, I want, I want my body healed. I, I want my finances blessed. I want my marriage healed. I want my business to prosper. I want to be blessed in my job. Be very specific in that which you're believing God for. Isn't it amazing, Mark chapter 10, you don't have to turn there, but the story of blind Bartimaeus, here stood this blind man, this blind man in front of Jesus, obviously blind, wore a beggar's coat, obvious, and even then Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? Well, Jesus, I just want you to bless me. Jesus would have probably let, tapped him on the head and said, be blessed, just turn and walk down the road. Amen. But what did he say? He said, no, Lord, that I might receive my sight. I don't want to be blind anymore. There was a specific to his request. 
What exactly are you believing God for? I, if I were you, I'd write it down. I do it all the time. I keep a prayer log. I write down exactly what I'm believing God for. I try to get as detailed and specific as I can be. And I guarantee you when you do that, God will bless you exactly as you believe Him for. I know Leah and I, when, when Leah was pre- preg- uh, pregnant with Breland, uh, we wrote down a confession. Uh, most of the time I was gone and traveling. Leah was at home. I'd call her at night before we went to bed. And we'd make that confession over Breland. When I was at home, we'd lay hands on, on Leah's tummy and make that confession. And you know, everything we spoke over that child when she's born, we've seen every bit of it come to pass. Now, now this, is, this will help you. This will help you. If you get a chance, how many know Breland, our daughter? If you get a chance, look at her teeth. Look at her teeth. Has anybody ever seen her teeth? They're pretty nice, aren't they? You know why? We confessed over her every night. She would have perfect teeth. Well, that saved me about how much? $8,000? Amen. I mean, our dentist is mad at us. You say, why? She's got perfect teeth. All of her teeth came in perfect. You say, well, come on, Pastor. That's, That's just silly. No, we said it night after night after night. We said she'd love animals. We said she'd be kind. We spoke all of this over her by faith. That's what we wanted, answers to prayer. Amen. And when you do that, when you get specific with God, what kind of house do you want? What kind of car do you want to drive? What do you want to do with your life? Where do you want to go? When you begin to search the will of God for yourself and begin to find out what it is, then you have something to believe God for. The problem with a lot of people, they don't have a dream. Amen. What was the old Walt Disney song? If you don't have a dream, then how's your dream, how's your dream going to come true if you don't have one? People don't have a dream because dreams are so impossible to obtain. But if you will allow God to give you a vision, allow God to give you a dream for your life, say, God, give me a glimpse of what you want my life to look like, and I will pursue that. I will pursue that. Man, I begin to ask that back in Bible school. Lord, what do you want my life to look like? Am I going to be a janitor in a church somewhere? Do you want me to pray? What do you want me to do? And God began to give me glimpses in my prayer time and in my fellowship with Him. And then I begin to add chapter and verse to all of that. That's your next step. You say, what do you mean? You go into the Word of God and you find scriptures that relate to your situation. You need healing, get into the healing scriptures. You need prosperity, get into the prosperity scriptures. You need deliverance, get into the deliverance scriptures. You need restoration, get into the restoration scriptures. You need deliverance from depression, get into the joy scriptures. And begin to dig and dig and meditate and read and dig and write them down and say, that's what I want right there. By his stripes I am healed. That's what I want. My God supplies all of my That's what I want. He's not giving me a spirit of fear but a power of love. That's what I want right there. That's what will do it. Now there's people, you know, because so much is taught about the sovereignty of God. Well, if God wants you to have it, he'll give it to you. But if he doesn't want you to have it, there's no way you can. That is, that is bunk. We have a copy of the sovereignty of God right here. This tells us exactly who God is, exactly what God's going to do, exactly what He's already done, exactly the provision He's left for us through redemption. Then it goes further and tells you exactly who you are, exactly what you have, exactly what you can do in Christ Jesus. You don't have to go around wondering, you know. Now, you can't get stupid and say, well, you know, I'm going to believe God for uh, somebody's wife or somebody's husband or, you know. No, no. There are things out there, you know, that you can't believe God for, belong to other people. 
God's not going to steal it from them and give it to you. Amen? No, but the things that God wants you to have. What are you believing God? What gives you the right to th- for you to think you can believe God for that? Well, the Word does. The Word. That's another reason. Prayer journal. Write it down. What do you believe in God for? Then confess it. Thank you, Father. Thank you for my new house. Oh, I thank you, Heavenly Father. You said you'd supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ. Lord, we just need a new house. You see this old house we're living in? We thank you for it. It's been such a blessing. But, Lord, we want to move. We need a better piece of property. Lord, we need a, we need a better, uh, we need a better uh, more bedrooms. We need a better kitchen. Uh, we need better bathrooms. So, Father, I just thank you uh, for a brand new house. Lord, I just thank you. You said you'd supply all of my need. You, you, you said, Heavenly Father, if I'd ask, you'd give it to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. So I'm going to write down exactly what I want. I'm going to write down where I want it. I'm going to make sure it's the will of God by praying in fellowship with you. Then I'm going to put my faith on it. I'm going to begin to say it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to begin to speak it out in Jesus' name. Then you have to what? After you've believed in your heart, you have to confess with it. Then you're going to have to act on it. I still love that testimony. The lady that believed in God for a house went out and bought her a doorknob. Carried that doorknob around with her all everywhere she went. And she just held it out. She made sure people could see it. She had it t- tied on the, on, the, on the strap of her purse. People say, what do you do with that doorknob? She loved it when people would ask that. She'd just hold it and say, I'm just waiting for God to hook a house to it. See, that's faith in action right there. That's faith in action right there. Amen. And then there was the other lady that did what? She went and bought all the clothes for her husband. Praying for her husband to be saved. Praying for him to be filled with husband got mad. I said, what are you doing with all that in there? We could have we spent that money. I said, no, that's your suit. That's your tie. That's your shirt. That's your shoes. That's your socks. That's what you're going to wear the day you go to church with me to get saved. Did you know one day he put that suit and tie on, went to church, got saved? Faith in action. Faith in action. So now if you just go out and buy a suit and clothes for your husband to do that, wonder why it don't happen. You didn't believe in your heart, didn't confess with your mouth. Amen. So you believe with your heart, confess with your mouth, act on the Word of God. Now it's time to what? It's time to stand. Having done all. That's the key. Once you've done all you know to do, it's time to make a stand of faith. Now it says here, I like the Scripture. It says here, it says stand. Everybody say stand. Stand therefore. Then it begins to tell us about these armaments of God. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherein you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, go back up to verse 14 again. Stand, therefore, begin with number one, having your loins girt about with truth. Now, that was a piece of equipment. Actually, the Apostle Paul is describing... The armaments of a Roman soldier. In that day, that's the only people that were wearing military armament because they were conquerors of the world. Did you know one of the things that made the Roman army more successful than any other army in their time? Does anybody know? Their shoes. They were the first one to wear shoes. A lot of armies failed because their feet would get so messed up and so beat up walking over rocks and everything that they couldn't, they couldn't continue on their campaigns. But the Roman army began to wear shoes, first one to begin to wear shoes. But it begins with what? Having your loins. Now think of a, think of a piece of equipment that would go between your legs, come up around your waist, waist, up around above your lower back. You know, we see some of these things sometimes, people that have to lift heavy loads. And it comes up around your back, and it kind of ties and pulls your core together. 
it helps keep your inner core. It strengthens and supports your inner core. So Paul says, listen, have your loins gird with truth. Well, what is truth? Jesus said in, in John chapter 17, he said, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is thy truth. So what strengthens your inner core, and you'll see every one of these armaments is made out of the Word of God. So what strengthens your inner core is the Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. So you begin to find Scripture that has to do with your strength, Scripture that has to do with your, your power, your anointing, that which God has transmitted into you. The Bible says that the weak say, boy, that sounded, that sounded like you could... That sounded like you could just tear down the wall of Jericho with that one, huh? The Bible says, let the weak say. He said, let the weak say. So how many, how many of you go around every day saying, I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might? If you don't, you're going to be what? Just the opposite. Well, Pastor, I feel so weak sometimes. I feel like my prayers don't work. My faith is just useless. And God doesn't love me and nobody cares. And see, what people do is they look for pity. And you know what pity does? Pity comes over and pats you on and says, oh, I'm so sorry. See you later. That's what pity does. But compassion, which Jesus is a God of what? Compa compassion says, well, let's get you out of that pity. Those pity parties. Have you ever had a pity party? A crying spell where you just, oh, woe is me. And I'm poor old me. and The devil's been beating up on me. Bless his holy name. You know, I'm so weak, and, and, and you know, and, and here he goes talking about the devil being defeated. Well, he ought to come to my house. He ain't defeated at my house. Well, he is in my house, and he is in this house. And if you'll start saying it and speaking it, you'll start girding up that inner core of your being. Listen, the Bible says, the kingdom of God suffereth violent, but the violent take it by force. Listen, there's some things you're going to have to take in strength. You're just going to say, devil, that's it. That's it. You're not doing this to me anymore. You're not messing with me in this area. You're not messing with my finances, not messing with my kids, not messing with my job, my business. In the name of Jesus. And you begin to strengthen yourself with the Word of God. Because if you don't, you'll be weak. And if the enemy can make you think you're weak, he'll keep you defeated every day of your life. So, having your, having your loins girt about with truth. Now notice this. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate guarded the vital organs. Actually, not just the heart, but the liver, the stomach, the lungs. Because you took, you took an arrow, you know, in the, in the chest cavity or in the gut. That's it. You're gone. And they made, those, they made those Roman breastplates to fit snug and tight. The officers actually had them, had them custom made. And they were made to withstand an arrow, made to withstand a, a lance thrown at them. Now, righteousness does what? Righteousness will guard your heart. No, it's called the breastplate of what? Breastplate of what? So it's something that you must understand about your right standing with God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He that knew no sin was made sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. The Bible says in Proverbs, Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it come the issues of life. Listen, you begin to take the word of God that has to do with your revelation of righteousness. Because the enemy will always try to make you think you're not worthy. He will hold your past up. He will hold up what you did yesterday. 
he will hold up all kinds of stuff and say, see, see, you're not worthy. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. God loves Pastor Rusty. God loves this other preacher. God loves Pastor Lee. He loves them. Look how he blesses them. They're blessed. But look, see, you can tell God doesn't love you. Look at you. God doesn't love you. And listen, the enemy will keep you defeated with that kind of thinking. You've got to begin to guard your heart by thinking, Father, I thank you. It's not because of Pastor Leah. It's not because of Brother Rusty. It's because of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He died on the cross so that I could have the same relationship with God that Jesus himself has. I have the same right standing with the Father that Jesus has. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Say it again. I am. The righteousness of God in Christ. Now, if you'll say that every day, you'll begin to guard your heart. And when the enemy comes to you and say, oh, you, you worm in the dirt. You're so unworthy. And I was talking to somebody. It was recently. I'm trying to think of who it was. Somebody here at the church. And they had been, they had been in, 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 over in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and some of the, 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 the prophets. And, re- and they thought, man, you know, they, they said this to me. said, man, every time I read this, I feel so down. I feel like such a, get out of that stuff. Don't you go over there digging around in Ezekiel and Jeremiah and all those books and think that it's talking about you. That ain't talking about you. That's what this person was telling. Well, it looks like God just wants to squish me like a bug. God, now listen, remember that old covenant, that old testament? It's not written to you, it's written for you. The new testament, the new covenant is written for you, excuse me, to you. The old was just written for you. It's given as an example, the Bible says. Much of it has to do with the judgment of God upon Israel because they kept breaking the covenant. But God, with mercy and grace, kept pulling them back, pulling them back. They kept rebelling, kept pulling them back, kept rebelling, kept pulling them back. I read, I read just this in my Bible study this week. I'd never seen it before. David had died. One of the other brothers had caused an insurrection and tried to set himself up on the throne. But then David, right before he died, made a decree that Solomon was king and sent the right people at the right time to the right place to make that proclamation. Solomon became king. David died. The Bible says, And David walked before the Lord. Excuse me, that Solomon walked before the Lord as did his father David. But he made offerings upon the high places. You ever read that? Did you know that wasn't right? You know he wasn't supposed to be doing that? Did you know what he was doing wasn't right? And God did not judge his time of of being king on that. He judged judged his, his son. He judged his son, split the kingdom in half. Because he never got it right. Now, let me prove it a little further. He said to him, in a dream, ask of me and I'll give you what you want. And he said, well, Lord, I, I want to be able to be wise enough to guide this people because I'm young and I'm not wise enough. And the Lord said, you go study. It's in, in, in 1 Kings. The, the Lord said, because you've asked this and not for riches, I'm going to give you riches and long life. He died at age 55. God wasn't able to fulfill his promise because he already started messing up. And they were in a different covenant. They were not in a covenant of mercy and grace. They did not live in the acceptable year of the Lord. We do. 
We are the righteousness. When you make mistakes, there's mercy. When you make mistakes, there's forgiveness. There's the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin and all unrighteousness. What was the end of what was the end of what, what was the end of Solomon? Man, he wrote he wrote it there. He wrote, All is woe. Nothing. I've had all the women, I've had all the wine, I've had all the money. Nothing means anything but one thing, and that is to know God and serve him. Breastplate of righteousness. How's my time? Oh, my time's up. Let's do one more, all right? Verse 15. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I like one translation. says, have happy feet, willing and ready to go spread the good news of Jesus. Now, this has to do with your participation. You say, what do you mean? What are you doing for the kingdom? What are you doing for the kingdom? Well, I come to church on Wednesday night and Sunday. All right, are you out there witnessing, telling people about the Lord, witnessing to the people that you're around, asking them if you can pray for them, uh, praying over, you know, praying over. I remember when we were at, when we were at Lakewood years ago, the Prusmacs probably remember this and some of the others. Ba- back at the back of the church, they had envelopes full of tracts, and they had the Houston phone book. And what you could do on your way out of the church is you could pick up a stack of the envelopes and go put stamps on them and send them. And so there was a continual mailing of tracts all over Houston. Did you know hundreds of people that got those tracts ended up coming to that church getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost? You could, you could just be, you could, you listen, you could get tracts and get a phone book and go into an evangelistic ministry. You say, well, I'm shy. You can do that at the privacy of your own home. Amen? There's all kinds of stuff you can do to spread the gospel. When your feet are shod with what? The preparation of the gospel of peace. That means I'm willing to go anywhere. My feet take me anywhere I go. I am prepared to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus loves you. He cares about you. There's a better way than the way you're doing it. My feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I want you to know, having something on your feet keeps you healthy. I said, it's having something on your feet keeps you healthy. Don't wear no shoes in the winter. See how sick you stay. God wants your shoes on your feet. Everybody say, shoes on my feet. That means everywhere you go, you're prepared. You're ready. You say, I just know what to say. As you have received from God, such as I have, give I you. Listen, if you've been saved for 10 minutes, you can get somebody else saved. I remember a friend of mine, he was a, he's a pastor now, he was an evangelist for many years. He was preaching a meeting over on the, west, um, over on the East Coast, and a, a, a guy came uh, that was a stripper. He worked in a strip club, and he got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, he was married to a woman that worked in a strip club. He left the meeting, went to the strip club where his, woman, where his wife was, 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 was up there doing all that foolishness they do, she came down off the stage, sat down on a bar stool. He said, you want to meet God? I just met God. She said, what? He said, I just met God. She said, yeah, I do. He said, pray this prayer. She, he, he took her hand. Here, he, here she is with no clothes on. Praise the prayer of salvation. Power of God hits them. They fall on the floor of the club. Get up off the floor. Get clothed in the right mind. Go to Bible school and today they're in the ministry. Amen. Oh, I wish I could find a testimony. Well, get out there. Just think how many testimonies will come out of what you do as you share the gospel with people all around you. You know Jesus loves people. He loves you. He cares for you. And you can share the gospel for, with anybody. 
And a lot of times what the enemy would say, well, when you get all your needs met, your faith is working, everything's going great in your life, you're delivered from all the, all the problems, of all. The, then you can go out and tell somebody about Jesus. Honey, when I was backslid and away from God, I still couldn't help but witness to people. I'm not kidding you. I witness to people as a backslider. I witness people come to my house to do that. I say, you can't do that. Get out of here. I heard you got saved at church last week. I'd send them down the road. I actually did that two different times. You say, you're kidding me. Yeah, two particular times. There's an individual that I heard went down to the Assembly of God Church on 45th Street and in a meeting at the Assembly of God Church got saved. They came to my house to involve themselves in some foolishness. And I said, I heard you went down to that church and got saved. They said, I did, but I don't think that means. I said, get out of here. And then some Christians, they never open their mouth. Be willing. Oh, man, you, you, you don't know joy. You don't know glory. You don't know, you don't know how high you can get in God when you lead somebody from darkness into life, from death into life, from darkness into life. That is the most, that is the most, there's no way to describe it. There's no drug, there's no alcohol, there's no experience on this earth that can rival looking in somebody's face and seeing the light come on. We were down at Mardi Gras. Oh, Lord, this was years ago. Me and Rocky Malloy, Brother Rocky and Sister Yoska, me and Rocky. Rocky was a Bible school student. We were down there passing out tracts and, and just telling people about Jesus. Of course, everybody partying and all that stuff was going on. And, and I was standing, I was kind of was on 25th Street, and I was pushed back up in a yard. And these guys walked by, and they looked like they might have been athletes. I mean, tall, handsome men. And so I, I had a track, and I handed a guy a track. And he said, what is that? I said, it's a gospel track. He said, what do you mean, a gospel track? I said, step up here, I'll tell you about it. He stepped up there. I said, we give these out to people. In this is the message of salvation. He said, salvation? What is salvation? Well, I said, well, salvation is the acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior, what that does is assure you that if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. He said, you got to be kidding me. I'll never forget this as long as I live. He said, you got to be kidding Then he said this, I've been looking for that my whole life. He said, I've been looking for that my whole life. I said, well, come here. Let me pray this prayer with you. I said, pray this prayer out loud. He said, okay. So I just led him in the sinner's prayer. And I'll never forget holding that man's hand and looking at him and seeing light come on his face. And I said, now you go and you find you a church where they preach the Bible. I've never, seen, I've never seen him since. It's been probably 20-something years ago. I hadn't seen him since. But I trust today that man's serving God. You say, why? Well, he had an experience with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords right there. We had a guy came to our Bible school. I thought this was amazing. They were in Cambodia right after the Vietnam War. And all of the, the what was going on with the Khmer Rouge and all that was going on, the, all of the big uh, uh, concentration camps with thousands and thousands. And so these guys were over there feeding and helping people, preaching gospel crusades. So they were preaching this crusade. And they'd had several miracles of people being healed. And many times when they'd have miracles, they'd bring them up on the stage and let them testify. That would just give people inspiration to receive from God. Well, they were preaching this particular meeting, and there was this commotion right in the middle. About, he said there was about 15,000, 20,000 people. He said right in the middle of it, there's this commotion. And he said, find out what that's about. Somebody must have got a miracle. So he said they brought this little old stooped over Cambodian man up there. 
And, he, and so he said, he said, tell us what God has done for you. And he said, he took the microphone, put it in his mouth. He said, this little Cambodian man lifted up his hands. He said, this glow was just on his face. And he said this. He said, I always knew my whole life there was a God that loved me. But I didn't know his name till today. And his name is Jesus. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You say, what does that do? That gets you involved in kingdom business. It's part of your armor. You have to put it on. Amen. Lift your hands and thank God. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the life and power of God that flows, touches people's hearts, touches people's lives. And thank you, Father. We do put on that armor by the confession of our faith. For that which we speak, that which we do, and we stand in faith, believing we receive from you in every area of life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stand on your feet, Father. We bless your name. We release your, our faith toward our protection and safety during the week as we travel on the airways, the highways, the seaways, the railways, any other way of travel or transportation. We declare according to your word, there shall no evil befall us, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place. We rejoice, Lord, that you give your angels charge over us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In the righteous labor of our hands, wherever we may go, whatever we may do, educational field, petrochemical, medical, uh, the, the, the con uh, the, our contractors, those that work at the, uh, at, the, at the job sites, Lord, those in the offices, wherever we are, we declare, we're not subject to accidents, to trauma, to terror, to that which evil men and a wicked devil conspires to do. Thank you, Father, that we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you. He is our refuge, our strength, and our fortress. As we leave today, we declare that there is an open door of utterance for us to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let us be an answer to somebody's prayer, a problem to the adversary. Let us be a blessing in people's lives. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. Thank you that you love us so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for Island Church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.